Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson, and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website, MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What's going on, Metalheads? Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge this week. I'm Mark Jackson, and I'm your host. It is Memorial Day weekend, so please thank a service member. Please be safe, be smart. If you're in a place where you still have restrictions and so on and so forth, please be smart, be healthy, so on and so forth. Thank you. This week, we have Time Rift from the Portland, Oregon area. The PDX is back again, baby. Yeah, kind of went into my Vince McMahon there for a second. Uh, no, Portland's fucking rad-ass fucking scene. You guys know that. I've had several Portland vans uh, on the show with Silver Talon unto others. Fucking Bewitcher, Soul Grinder, so many awesome fucking bands. Uh, I'm seriously going to have to plan a vacation and go out there once shows are back a thing and, and catch these bands in person if I can't catch them here in town first. More from them soon. You know where it's at. Let's go ahead and do the, get it out of the way. Let's do the question of the week. Uh, this week's question was... Uh, what album do you take with you everywhere you go? What's your ride or die album? Uh, no matter if it's tape, CD, uh, what is it, uh, a digital, what do you take with you everywhere you go? Phil Garrett from Angel's Art Tattoo in Clarksville said, King Diamond's Abigail. Abigail! Yeah, I can't really get a high-pitched voice like uh, Jarvis does in his uh, commercials for uh, the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. Zoso Abel Carey said, Master of Reality. Yes, super fucking awesome. I don't think... There's not much that gets better than Master of Reality, honestly. Uh, That's not the only one. Frank Green from the It's Gonna Get Weird podcast said Master as well. Hell yes. Sean Tyler was Power Trip by Monster Magnet. I was kind of uh, surprised with that. Uh, And here's a not-so-surprising answer from Josh Carpenter. uh, Steve Harris Jr., uh, I, I will call him this this week, is Power Slave rad fucking album we all know it is so <laughs> alvaro gomez says uh, rain and blood by slayer i mean yeah why, why, i take that everywhere i go donnie uh former drummer for overload donnie cranmer uh says terry reed seeds of memory you know i dig that album as well and i think for unless you like 
really a connoisseur of that generation, the sing the 70 singer-songwriter type stuff. I think the newer generation really got into Terry Reed with uh, Devil's Rejects because there's a couple of songs that Rob Zombie put on the soundtrack from uh, Terry Reed. And one is that it's the end credit scene. It's just so fucking awesome. So absolutely. That was for the Facebook people. Let's get into the the Instagram posts. Uh, King Metalhead 69 Zill and Arter Devil is fine. Don't know it? Have to look into it. Bodily Ruin says Facelift by Allison Chains. Corey Sims uh, Sabotage. Yeah, another Black Sabbath on the list. And Sabotage is a rad fucking album too. I don't think you can go wrong with you know, and this is the Bronca uh, studio shirt. It says, you can only trust yourself in the first six Black Sabbath albums. And I'm pretty sure that's about right. <laughs> Fatal Arrival says Painkiller. Hell yeah. Definitely going with some Painkiller on that. Let's see, who else do we have here? Oi Brandon says, Faith No More's Angel Dust. Yes. Grave Dancer. Shout out to her. She's awesome. She's definitely sharing all the posts and shit like that too. Is uh, Leprosy by Death. And Vomit 666 clothing line. Check them out. Danzig 2, Lucifuge. Yes. Yes. So many rad fucking answers this week. I'm going to give you guys this week a question that I ask all of the guests on the Metal Forge. And I want to know, what is the worst album by your favorite band? I know you've heard a lot of the artists tell their, their stories on this, but what's yours as a listener? Make sure you guys are clicking the links to the bands below, the official websites, the Bandcamp pages, the YouTube pages, the Spotify playlist. Without being able to play shows, this is the only way these guys can make any kind of money. So please, click those links, show your support, and help these people out, because they are the ones that need it the most. Also, thank you to the sponsors, Mom's Music, Maxwell's House of Music. Go get your gear from those places. Check out Burt, Bobby, Brooks, Howard, and Mike uh, at both of the stores. Click the links, momsmusic.com, maxwellshouseofmusic.com. I also want to say, anywhere you can get this podcast, you can get the Wrestling Steve Show, the It's Gonna Get Weird podcast, and the Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast. So please, after you're done listening to this show, listen to these people as well. They have great content. Super fucking rad people. Check them out. Also, Better Days Records, if you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, or... You know, you can click below. They have a Discogs page for some really cool, rare shit you can find. So, check out Better Days Records. So, let's open up a time rift here. I'm going to take an excerpt from the album Eternal Rock that says, Eternal Rock is dedicated to the wild and free maniacs across the world. Those who raise an angry fist in the face of modernity and love each other and themselves with free will. Brothers and sisters, this is the revolution from Time Rift better than life
All right, Metalheads, I'm being joined here again in the Portland area because it's such a super rad fucking scene, with, this time with Time Rift, and we have the whole band here today. How are you all? We're fucking great, man. Doing great. Awesome. Hell yeah. Why don't we go around the room here and introduce ourselves to the listeners of The Forge? All right. Um, I'm Terica. I play the drums in Time Rift. I'm Levi. I'm the bass and vocals of Time Rift. And I'm Justin, and I play guitar and, and the band dad. Yeah. And uh, I'm a huge pain in the ass to these two. Band dads usually are. I get it. You guys started in 2014 in, in the Portland area. Again, shout out to that awesome fucking scene. And you guys are a little bit different than some of the other bands that I've had on the show from there, like the Unto Others and the Bewitchers and Soul Grinders. You guys are more of a heavy metal rock, heavy rock band. It's, but you did a cover of Hawkwind, which lends to the space rock feel. That one was kind of a fun one. I remember why we chose that one. Probably just because it's, <clears throat> we all like Lemmy. I mean, it was more of like a, we did a couple of Lemmy songs, we were recording our album. I mean, that one's just, it's fun. And yeah, it's definitely kind of different, not as expected, I would think, of people that play and whatnot. And uh, it turns out it's also, whenever we play it live, usually is the one that gets people to dance the most. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Which is always kind of a fun thing. We kind of, you know, or we try to do, we were just talking about this earlier, because a lot of times the metal scene, you get the the, the cross-armed, standing there while you want to get people up their feet and, you know, get that grand funk vibe with the foot-stomping music. Right. So... Well, and that seems to be a thing where you either have that or you have the other. Very rarely anymore do you have both happen. Yeah, I mean, and I kind of feel that way, like, you mentioned, like, Bewitcher, and I, I feel like they kind of do that same good metal, metal ground of, they got their their black metal influences, but then they have their, like, early Metallica or Ozzy or Danzig influences, too, and they kind of, that's why we drive with them so much, because they're not just a metal band, and I don't think we, we don't consider ourselves a metal band per se, but we just ride that middle line of, you know, we're not some <laughs> retro rock band. Right. Because, you know, we're obviously, we want to push boundaries as what we can, but at the end of the day, it's all about writing a good riff and a good beat, and, you know, all that kind stuff well for sure and so back in march of 2020 you all released eternal rock tell me about that well so eternal rock we actually was it 2018 2018 yeah mm-hmm. we actually recorded it just at the the end of the december in 2018 and that was just more just like we just got to the point where we got songs and ready to go and uh, our good friend charlie corn He's an amazing drummer who's toured with Incantation and a bunch of other really good bands, Skeletal Remains. He's an amazing dude and killer drummer and great engineer, too, and knows what he's doing. And he recorded us in December. And so we spent we spent a good chunk of like 2019 trying to shop it around because we don't want to be one of those bands that just records, spends all this energy and then releases it on Bandcamp, you know, on a Wednesday and no one downloads it or something. We just wanted it to be more super more special. And so we had a lot of patience with it. And then as things kind of progressed, we, you know, decided, oh, well, let's just, let's bang it out. And we decided on March of, of last year, just kind of arbitrary at the end of 2019, I think. And then, and then COVID hit and it was kind of like, well, fuck it. Let's just put it out there. And, and we did. And then, um, we ended up, we did it just a, a, a tape, a limited edition tape, which, um, sold out pretty quickly, which was kind of, it was kind of nice getting that response. And then when was that? Like summer last June? June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. June, we got hit up by a uh, dying victim productions out of Germany to do kind of like a, I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't call it a re-release per se, but I guess it was on vinyl and CD. And, and that came out in November in Europe. And, um, there's some, there's distributor distribution in America and stuff too, on a couple of different labels and whatnot. 
So it's been kind of a, a little bit of a slow burn as far as it getting out to the world and from our end of things. But, you know, with the pandemic, we the last show we played was like the week before Oregon shut down. And it was it was kind of a weird feeling because it was like one of those things where it was at a really good venue in town and, it was, and the bands we played with were great. But people are just kind of like a little unsure of what's going on. Right. I mean, we, we kind of were too, because at this point, you're like, what's going on in China? What's going on in Italy? What's going on anywhere else? Yeah. And and then we play that show, and it was kind of like the attendance was kind of low, and the people that were there were just, everyone was already kind of spacing apart, not sure what the hell's going on. And then it was the next week, COVID hit, and we're like, well, shit. And then, I don't know. Yeah, It's been an interesting year, to say the least, but we feel very fortunate to have people still supporting us. Obviously, you know, it's basically just through the internet. Because we're not like going on a tour or anything and selling records and shirts and stuff. It's just been strictly online, except for you know the few gigs we've done uh, here locally. The support's been really good, and you know yeah, the timing is just—it's very surreal. Which I'm sure a lot of people feel that way, but definitely, it, it's been the craziest year I've ever seen for bands that that have released so much material some bands have released multiple eps over over the last year some of them have released an album and an ep and as much as i think i've always said on the show that content is king and the more content you have the more of a following you can achieve but sometimes you know you've got to know when to draw the line i guess because if you can't tour something especially if you are used to going on tour and you have that regiment to where you go and you record and then you spend 30 days out and then come back and then go back out for another, you know, you're constantly in the rotation. It's difficult, and I can't imagine, because I'm usually not a touring guy anymore. But it's like, I couldn't imagine what it would be like for those bands like, you know, Bewitcher and uh, I guess you guys as well that have not been able to go on tour. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because even some of my favorite bigger bands decided to uh, postpone releases or something like that. And part of me is like, I get it. But then I, there's other bands. I mean, say you can talk about Bewitcher. They just released theirs last month. And then, or some of the other bigger European bands um, decided to just, to say, screw it, we're going to release our album anyway. And I almost feel the response was better for those bands. Um, just because it's like, I think people are just are so starved for something. Right. You know, and everything, and everything's on hold, you know, whether it's going out to see your grandma or going out to a restaurant, that's on hold. But then to let your music be on hold too is kind of like, oh man. Yeah. And, uh, and TV was and you, on hold because they couldn't film anything. Right. Yeah, sports, everything is on hold. And then, you know, the one thing I feel like as a metalhead, it's like, you know, you're you know, you're already kind of the one that's on the outside of society, so to speak. And then the one thing that keeps you sane, you know, you want to go see your favorite band or listen to the new record or something. And, and to not be able to do that is just kind of weird. But yeah, I just I, I can't imagine like we had like our friends in uh, Unto Others, um, their drummer, Collins, like he's literally my neighbor, he lives down the street. Yeah. And I was texting. I was texting him and I was like, they're almost away. They're almost at Salt Lake. And it was like that next day, the tour got canceled. And this is, I was like, man, like they were all, they're like, we're not sure what we're going to do. We're going to do a try to do this, do that. And then it's like, oh yeah, the decibel music tour just got canned. Yeah. And it's like not the day before it started. It's like, fuck. Like I feel, we feel kind of fortunate that we didn't really have anything big and planned per se. We had some plans. We were supposed to do a tour with Charger from Oakland and. That was kind of weird, too, just because I think it got postponed from, like, April, then it was going to be July, and then all of a sudden, July turned into not happening, and then next thing we know, it's 2021, and and here we are. It's really bad as well to see, like, so many of my friends that 
you know, have either A, been on the show or friends on Facebook and you you follow their band for so long and they were overseas when stuff was happening. Yeah. People who who were selling <laughs> selling their gear overseas that they had had to get $2,000 plane tickets to come home. It's unfortunate for a lot of those people. But, you know, now that things are starting to get better and starting to get more back to the quote normal you guys played a show this past friday outside of course how did that go yeah it was great it's, it was so fun yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh so um we're technically reporting from milwaukee oregon that's where i live around my house right now it's just a few miles south of portland and the milwaukee arts commission decided last year to do a thing called porch fest and the premise is that anyone can sign up for it just to engage the neighborhood and the community so you get everyone from joe blow over here with his acoustic guitar there's a cellist over here and then our friends run a performance theater and they're like hey do you guys want to play our parking lot free show and there's plenty of room for people to be spaced and distanced and we're going to sell beer inside because we have a, our license and, and it was like without a doubt there wasn't even a question you know i got the text and i told them like hey guys we're playing a show i don't know what day it is but we're doing it they're both on board obviously and yeah it was like i said the weather was perfect and you know we set up our stuff and and it, there was a probably not, it was you know it was a decent turnout like i don't know 100 150 some people throughout a couple hours or so and hell yeah when and it was surreal too especially because you know like like we're all vaccinated and a lot of our friends that showed up were vaccinated and then i would see people i haven't seen in practically almost a year and a half and it was an outside show and you know it's on a it's on a main street here and so there's people walking by and they just would stop and like what the hell is this noise? And, you know, I, I'm looking up as we're playing and it's like, oh yeah, there's some dogs here. There's some babies here. There's like, we just were talking about this earlier that the, the cool thing about the show and I think what it just kind of solidifies us and what we're doing is that like, you know, we we tend to draw not just like the, the leather jacket and denim crew, but, you know, we had, you know, there's old people that showed up. There's people with their babies, like I said, or people with their dogs. There's people all walks of life. Right. Can't cut our show. And to me, I always, you know, obviously you can look back on old shows from, you know, 70s and 80s. And, you know, you look at like California jam footage, Sabbath playing in front of a giant rainbow and you look at a sea of people and it's like everybody under the sun is there. Right. They're not just all like headbangers or whatever. It's like that was a thing to do. And I kind of get in that feeling and that vibe of um, just the openness of I think part of it's people yearning to get outside and do something. But the fact that we're the background, we're the backdrop to that to me is like I think it's really cool. Yeah. And and, you know, we're we have a lot of really good uh, close friends that just kind of spread the net of everyone's inviting somebody. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, you're just got a full parking lot of people. And, you know, we you know, we played a few covers and stuff. But at the end of the day, like figuring our tunes. Yeah, you know? definitely. You bring up California Jam with Sabbath and everything. And it always seemed to me seeing that footage from that show, it makes the Sabbath tunes a little less evil sounding when when they're playing under <laughs> yeah. that backdrop. Yeah. You know, especially with the the big old rainbow and Bill right. Ward had flowers all over his drum set. One <laughs> where Tony Omi had the cape, right? Yeah, Tony Omi has a cape like Superman. I think he did have a mustache. Yeah, total. Like uh, I think that's when they were transitioning from smoking weed to doing cocaine or something. Yeah, yeah, because everything's really fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when they do Children of the Grave and Ozzy's doing, it's like lightning. Fast. It's lightning fast, and Ozzy's got a giant smile on his face. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, around uh, Volume 4, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath era, yeah. era for them. I think it's a precursor to what they're about to become with, like, Technical Ecstasy and Never Say Die. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can get that vibe for sure. And it's also, I think that's the Burn era Deep Purple show, too. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're the same thing. They're just complete maniacs going crazy on stage and Richie Blackmore having to like escape from a, hel- a helicopter. He doesn't get arrested because he destroyed a ca- camera or some shit. It's like, no, you can't make that stuff up. You just, oh, you just go no. on YouTube. There's all these big festival shows that are out today all over the world. You know, you've got more of the independent stuff in like Germany where like keep yeah. it true. Then you've got like the bigger shows like Bloodstock in the United Kingdom, you know, Download Fest, you know, which used to be the Donington stuff. In America, you know, you've got like the Louder Than Lives, uh, Rockville, Aftershock, the those shows. It almost seems like today in th- like this day and age, you don't have shows like California Jam anymore. Or you don't have shows like the Live Aid show. Like, because they were yeah. suit Sabbath when they reunited for that were badass as well. Yeah, I feel like it's, um, I don't know what it speaks to exactly, but I feel like a lot of it just things get a little too catered. It's a little too like you can, you can pick and pull what you want and put it right here. And the diversity is a little lacking in a lot of that stuff. Um, I mean, I remember there was used to be a radio station here. It's gone now, but it was, it was like the hard rock metal station in the 90s and 2000s called KUFO. And they, had, they did a rock fest. And I remember that was like the first festival I ever went to and I was like 14 or 13 or something. And, and it was great. I mean, I, f- I think it was like, it was during the era of like Lamb of God headlined or something like that. Whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, but it was, it was still so cool for me because being able to go to something like that and the, the lineup was just obscure bands and then big bands. And I feel like a lot of stuff now it's like, I don't know, like how many shows should like Deep Purple keep headlining or something because it hurt or I don't know, like five finger death punch crap. It's like, no, it's kind of, kind of kills the buzz. And then I don't know. I don't know. Or like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, but like, you know, especially in Germany, that's definitely like on our radar. Once, once COVID kind of relaxes, it's, you know, stranglehold on everything. Just, I feel like, you know, we've had go back to Bewitcher, like their German tour was really successful. And we obviously our labels based there too now. And, um, you know, I feel like they kind of know what's up with heavy metal and rock and roll more than Americans do. I think that's been a thing. Always. Yeah, I feel like it's it's always been that way. Definitely. Because and it and and I say always because it goes back to the seventies and the eighties with Motorhead and Metallica and all of those bands. Saxon, it goes back to those guys also. Not just now, which is yeah. We get to reap that benefit being musicians now because as I've said, Portland is such a hotbed for awesome bands coming out. I think Germany mm-hmm. is the ultimate destination for most of those bands to get to. Yeah, for sure. And you know, yeah, Portland's an interesting interesting spot because I the I mean to speak to the diversity of music is it's kinda crazy to think about all the different bands that are here. It's not just like it's one style of anything. It's, oh no. It's it's a bunch of different got, things. Yeah. yeah, which makes it it's kind of exciting, but it's also kinda of tricky to navigate, especially for a band like us, because we've always felt like we don't really fit into any mold per se. It's like we're not an extreme metal band, but then we're not gonna you know, we're not some, you know, dad rock band or something right, like right, that right right Play, playing like the blues bar down the street or something which we'd love to do that too obviously but, you could, just but, but the thing is is that you could 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. That That's what's kind of nice is like we're, we're, I think, just as happy to play a bill with some death metal band as we are with, I don't know, playing with Bewitcher or Idle Hands or Unto Others or something like that. Right. It's, it's, it, it's a lot of fun, to say the least. But you can go to a show here and it's, you know, you're not getting bludgeoned by, I don't know, Cannibal Corpse ripoff bands for four hours or something. Yeah. Right. You know, you get some you get the ups and downs of different styles and whatnot. And that's one of the things when I've always promoted shows, I've tried to do that. All right, so take a second, hang out. We're going to come right back to the Metal Forge with Time Rift. Hey, are you all in a band? Do you need merch for shows? By now, I'm sure you've seen all the Metal Forge patches that are available, along with many more. Well, the printer I use for those is UKR Patcher. Check them out on Facebook and Etsy. They do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget. Check them out, UKR Patcher on Facebook and Etsy. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. With the album that came out just over a year ago at this point, what's next? I mean, are y'all re- writing and recording for something new? No, we've been grinding away at writing some new stuff for the second album. Um, yeah, that's been primarily our focus until we got this gig. And then we just ran through pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we're just taking it a little slower than, uh, I don't know, normal per se, because it's not All like right. we're up against some deadline, you know, of like a, a tour or whatever release thing. And the second album is going to be released on Dying Victims. And uh, obviously it's kind of TBD right now, but we're just really basically just writing songs that, okay, cool, we got it down. Now let's kind of like rework it to make it like the best you know, really being critical, but not too critical. And I'm sure I drive these two crazy with <laughs> cutting things, doing this or do that. <laughs> but we got about, I think we got about, there's about four songs down pretty solid right now. And so we're kind of looking at it as about almost a halfway point um, with obviously tons of ideas. And I mean, we're all constantly writing things at home and thinking of ideas and whatnot. So there's definitely no stagnation on our end. I just think we're at a point where we're, we're very fortunate with our, our contract with Dying Victims that it was, you know, a second album was included in our deal and and we want to make it you know 10 times better than eternal rock it's getting there so we're working hell yeah it's good definitely you did sit there and you you said something in that that i want to point out and that was you all write at home also and then bring stuff in so is that usually the dynamic with the band is that you you know you you jam stuff out at home and then bring it in and do it or do you also do the jam, the big jam sessions at practice or how, how do you all usually do that yeah, I feel like it's pretty collaborative, where we generally bring riff ideas or um, Justin and I will like, work on stuff together and bring it in and be like, okay, this is what we're thinking, and then we'll run it by Terrica and just kind of jam it out and see how it goes. Sometimes we'll just, you know, jam in the space and stuff comes out, um, but 
but yeah, mostly it's, it'll be like, you know, someone like Justin will bring a riff in and, you know, we'll just play around with it and construct a song around it. Yeah. And it, it kind of works. We all work really well together. Leva and I have been in bands together for going on 10 years now. And yeah. <laughs> so it kind of, it's when I'm writing, I actually kind of write to his voice or at least how I feel like it would go really well. Sort of deal. And then with Terika and her drumming style, it's kind of, it's just, it's in my head. I'm always constantly like, not right. I, like, I can't play the drum for shit. I can't, I can kind of sing, you know, um, but it's beneficial for all of us. It was like, Hey guys, I got this riff and then I'll just bring it to them or Levi's got an idea or even sometimes we even lead off of Terrica as a great drum beat. She's like, Hey, I got this drum beat I came up with. It's like, cool. Let's work kind of, it seems a little backwards to work from the drums almost. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's constantly just thinking of things at home and coming to the space. And we're pretty regimented on our schedule of rehearsals and whatnot. We have a, we have a great space that we have access to all, all any time of day night and nice. just get loud as we want which is kind of to the detriment i think of some bands that are around us in our space Absolutely. yeah it it's, usually quiets out really yeah. quickly after we start playing yeah. it's always it's always some like i don't know indie ska band that's like next door to us and then all of a sudden we just start playing and then like Terrica said it gets real quiet afterwards <laughs> which is i'm fine with that because i don't want to listen to them really <laughs> so i'm not complaining you know, but. last week I had Poison Speed on the show and they were talking about their practice space being the same way where you could hear the other bands in the room beside them mm -hmm. and they're trying to record albums and shit in there. And oh, so it's <laughs> like as soon as they would hit record, the, the band would start playing next door and they'd go next yeah. door and be like, hey, guys, we're trying to record. And the guy was like, oh, well, you're not going to be bothering us. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Oops. And it, and it was such a thing. It was like you know bringing back anxiety from my day of doing that like ten years ago in our practice space. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's kind of funny how that works out. And yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we haven't settled on where we're going to record the next album, but it, it most likely be with at the same spot where we did the first one, which is a cool uh, recording studio in town called Toad House. Like, I think like Red Fang and bands like that record there and just got really good vibes and definitely the sound is really awesome and you know it's it's easy to get to for us because it's you know it's like down the street from where Terrica lives and uh but yeah the practice space thing is kind of funny and you know it's I don't know it's kind of is what it is at the end of the day it's like right we're gonna we can't we're gonna not turn down yeah <laughs> no and it's the thing of everybody's in there for the same uh reason you yeah know? everybody's there to practice and yeah it does get kind of it does get kind of bad sometimes especially if you know you have a set tuesday thursday sunday routine bah, bah, bah. yeah and somebody else picks up on that same thing and you're like oh well, that sounds like a good day to do this too and then mm -hmm. i think another we actually uh a year or so ago we actually switched a day because there's one band that literally was right next to us and they were some like heavy whatever band and it was like everything would just rattle in our space because <laughs> yeah. the bass is like tuned to like z or something <laughs> and had like his cab probably like the room and it was just like man like we gotta switch to like tuesday because monday fucking sucks man <laughs> <laughs> so, right, but it, it's actually interesting on that note, just because of the pandemic that, um, like, I, it's like I feel like half the bands are gone. At our, at our, we have a big like warehouse space where we're at, different rooms and whatnot. You know, I don't know if it's it's not. I don't think it's a good thing per se, but it's kind of interesting. We're, we've always talked about like coming out of this, you know, when things when venues do open back up and all that kind of stuff of like who's still got their chops up or right. who's even still a band. Right. Um, and, and that's the weird thing about it, because the same thing in our space, you know, years ago was somebody would get fired from a band and you wouldn't see them for so long. And then they'd join another band in the same in the same 
warehouse space. Not the same room, but you know, two or three rooms yeah. down. And it's it's yeah. weird because it's it's almost like a little tight knit community of of people okay. that come in and out of there. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying with that. Is who's even still a band that was in the space with you guys pre COVID? Totally. Yeah, it's just interesting, and you know, I feel like it's kind of a, a interesting moment to where I mean personally speaking like I I'm still working we've all been hit or miss with jobs opposite last year but you know there's still time to jam and record and practice and whatnot and to kind of see that dwindle a little bit is a little it's like oh man that kind of sucks just because I don't know it's like the creativity is kind of the only thing that keeps at least keeps us sane mm-hmm. right we'll see we'll see what happens in the, obviously in the coming months I mean, where Oregon is opening back up slowly but surely and you know hopefully that means some real venues are opening up and whatnot yeah hell yeah absolutely more inside shows, you know, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I would miss a bad sound guy yelling at me to turn down or something. Like <laughs> or some, or I'm sorry, the PA's maxed out. We can't go louder than your ears. Yeah. All right. Or like get a fucking drink ticket that's worth like <laughs> one beer. You know, a tall boy <laughs> pass or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, two dollars. Little things like that. <laughs> yeah. Drink tickets. I, I love them because I'm not, I usually am not a drinker anymore. Yeah. And it's like, that's almost as the equivalent to me as being paid in exposure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah, it's kind of, there's little silly things like that. I'm like, I hope a few things change with venues going forward, you know, but I don't know. We'll be glad to play a show one of these days. That's in a live concert with actual, you know, stage and backstage and crap like that. Although Definitely. I will say, if they keep uh, live venues a new thing going, that would be really cool. Like outside, I think that lends more to the testament of uh, the community of like the rock community, right? I think it's to be more like live amphitheater kind of stuff. Definitely, yeah. for sure. Because inside shows are what they are for when for, you know in winter time. That's great, but you know if you can yeah. have more outside festival type shows in the summer, that's. That was always my big thing with festivals is like, I love going for a day and being like, this is fucking awesome. You know, get to see like 16 bands, you know, here and there, whatever, you know, A A stage, B stage stuff. But like here recently, you know, a lot of these shows have been ridiculous where it's been like three and four day shows. And it's like, maybe I'm old now or something, but that's (laughs) too fucking much. (laughs) Yeah. I don't right want to wanna camp out at a at a at a place like that, and you know, yeah, right. I I like to have a shower too much now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Rock resort out in the desert, you know. Oh, or you yeah. can do the uh, at least, or you can get us to go on those cruise those cruise ships if cruise ships ever happen again. Cruises are definitely still happening now, and I was <laughs> open I was, up a cruise kiss cruise. Yeah, the seventy thousand tons of metal type stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right, everybody, it's nearing that time. You know, the time for a break. Let's check in with some sponsors. Let's see what's going on. Let's come back with some general profile questions for the awesome people in Time Rift. Hey, guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, So if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You'll also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. My show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is The Wrestling Steve Show, and I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like, like Confucius said, uh, 
man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. So I'm going to shift gears here. I'm going to ask you guys some general profile questions about you all as people because, hey, we're a big metal community and metal is family to me. And here on the Metal Forge, I've been asking these questions for about six or eight weeks now. So this week's question was, what is your ride or die album? What? So what that means is, what album do you take with you everywhere you go? No matter if it's CD, cassette, digital, what one album do you take with you everywhere you go? Yeah, I mean, mine changes, I don't know, a lot, but I feel, I guess, oh, do you guys have an immediate answer? No, I gotta think. <laughs> my, uh, my, I guess, I guess my immediate answer would be uh, uh, Danzig 2, Lucifuge. Wow. It's a good one. It is. It's it's great, yeah. That or that that one, and then uh, uh, MC5's High Time. Nice. That one's, uh, I think I listen to that one at least weekly. So do uh, you- I would say... For me, it'd maybe be the Almond Brothers' first album. Wow, I'm not expecting an Almond Brothers uh, <laughs> drop there. There's but, something about it that really speaks to me, you know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's Le- the guitars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. What you got, Levi? I think mine would be uh, Iggy Pop's Brick by Brick album from 1990. Nice, nice, nice. Three top answers. Hell yeah. What was your favorite TV show growing up? Man, well, I think for me it was probably a Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> Seriously? Then uh, when I got into like junior high, then I was more into like Star Trek: The Next Generation. Nice. So from the Prairie to outer space, pretty much. <laughs> With hot girls. I'm out of here in all these cow pies, man. <laughs> I'm old. I'm I'm a lot older than these guys, so you know hey. I'm from a different generation. Definitely. <laughs> But, you know, there's nothing wrong with Little House. I remember we had to read, like, one of the books in, in like, elementary school. And my mom oh, always yeah. watched the show. It's it's a, uh, pretty, it's a pretty good show. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. I was from, I grew up in North Dakota, so we had to read all of those books. In, yeah, because you pretty school. much were yeah. Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, I think mine was a little more crude. I was really into South Park as a kid. <laughs> or like Beavis and Butthead. Right. This typical dumb, crude humor. That was, that was my go-to. Explains a lot. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go with Xena, Warrior Princess. Oh, hell yeah. And then nice. Steve Space Nine was my big, like, yes. male soap opera jam. Right. Awesome. What was the other? What was the other one? Uh, like Beastmaster? Oh, Beastmaster. Beastmaster was that was a TV show for me. Or uh, Kevin Sorbo as Hercules. Yeah, <laughs> which would be cool because it's Sam Raimi. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. exactly. Evil Dead yeah. meets uh, yeah <laughs> meets uh, Schwarzenegger. What's yeah. your most unpopular music opinion? I don't know. Levi's into some weird shit. That's true. I no. mean, I've really been loving Sammy Hagar lately. Like, I was just oh, you but know, Hagar rules though. <laughs> I know, but it's like it's the Red you're Rocker. only supposed to, you know, be into David Lee Roth era Van Halen. And- oh, you mean Van oh. Hagar? Van Hagar. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're you're really liking the Sammy Hagar Van Halen era? Yeah. I mean, I grew up with the David Lee Roth era, but right. like at this point in life, the Sammy Hagar era is really starting to speak to me. I think they had more. I, I almost want to say they had more of a commerciality to it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, Sammy Hagar really made it, really brought the pop out of him, I think. Right. But plus Eddie just getting away from the guitar and more into, like, I think the the keyboards and synthesizers. And that was kind of apparent, obviously, on, like, Jump. 
thousand, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a huge fan of uh, Rammstein. That was kind of one of my growing up bands, and I still think they're one of the heaviest bands around. Definitely. And probably the hottest with the fire. A lot of fire going on there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm still sour over COVID over, over those guys because I missed them last year because of it. Yeah, I one of the, they announced that stadium tour, and I think they their slogan for Mexico City or somewhere on the border. It wasn't, it wasn't Mexico City, whatever it was. But it was totally making fun of America, and I was like, you build walls we destroy them or something oh, wow. I was like oh man you guys really hit a hard one there. <laughs> push an envelope right. that's kind of their thing what's yours Levi yeah. I really like the album everyone hates especially Tom G. Warrior hates it is Cold Lake I think that's a really fucking great album yeah by Celtic Frost right um, on. that's not, a tough one yeah. I'll have to listen to it I'm not a I'm not a big Celtic Frost person so I, I, they're one of those bands, and I'm sure like everybody has a band like that too, that they want to just get into, but haven't ever really put forth the effort to get into them. They say, yeah, yeah. Hey, I always want to check something of theirs out, and, and you just keep put, putting it off. So I definitely yeah. need to get more into into them. Yeah, Celtic Cross is one of those bands too. I feel like, at least with Levi and I, that they, they've been such a part of our musical DNA for a long time that they have, they're just kind of like entrenched in how we write songs, which is kind of, obviously I don't think it comes through a lot of things, but... Like uh, the, the feeling or the attitude generally comes yeah. through more than the... Uh, yeah. Musicality. Yeah, it's one thing I always respect about Celtic Frost and Tom Warrior, just in general, that the, it was not just about like the riffs or the look, but also about the attitude of things too, and the seriousness or the depth to the lyrics or some shit that isn't just like they're not just playing some thrashy B. They're like, oh, this song's really heavy on like a spiritual level. Like, what the hell? Plus, you know, everything's just with them. It's really easy to do the the <clears throat> and the stuff like that practice for fun. Yeah. Because it's hard not to. For sure. Rapid fire. Sabbath or Zeppelin? Sabbath. Zeppelin. Uh-oh. 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 Let's Sabbath. Sabbath. Ah, another rapid fire. Denim or leather? Denim. 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 And she's wearing a leather jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I thought about it. I was like, I couldn't wear leather pants every day. Right. But I could definitely wear, you know, like, I'd get too sweaty. So. If it if it if it wasn't for that factor, it would definitely be leather. As much as I love leather, it's it's denim because if yeah if if I were to wear leather more than you know two or three hours, I would die. Yeah, right. <laughs> so for sure, <laughs> um, metalheads are usually an eclectic bunch of people. We tend to collect a lot of things. So other than music related items, what do you collect? Cats. <laughs> <laughs> Like live ones? Yeah. Uh, live cats, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a, a limit to how many cats I can bring in the house now. But, um, you know, like, I feed feral cats off my porch. And then, okay. you know, more cats keep showing up. And then they get injured. So then I have to, like, take them inside and care for them. And um, I actually was doing a lot of cat fostering for a while. And, um, you know, realized that I couldn't... I couldn't keep the cats that it, that I was fostering, that that was considered a foster fail. So I'm trying to keep it in check, but uh, yeah. Understandable. Cats, cats are the thing. At least you did when I said live cats, you didn't say no dead ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do have like a little pet cemetery in my backyard, which I found out if you're on a first date and you're, you know, hanging out in your backyard, don't tell the person that you're on a date with that they're, you know, sitting right next to your pet cemetery because they get kind of weirded out by it. 
<laughs> hey, if, if, if they get weirded out by it, they're not the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> trying to think what I collect. I have a lot of books. Uh, a lot of. Um, I kind of get obsessive, like, is with my albums and stuff, and want to like. I definitely would say like. I have a lot of Ray Bradbury and Robert E. Howard books. Howard books are hard to come by, so I try to, whenever I'm at somewhere, I always try to find the old Frank Redzetta covers and stuff like that. Oh, hell yeah. I'm kind of a book nerd, I guess, and that stuff. No, I get that. The I'm a huge Frazetta fan, so. Yeah. Lots of books that are more uh, spiritual or, like, esoteric stuff, so like a bunch of books on the Tarot, um, Sun Lore of the Ages, Manly P. Hall's Secret Teachings of All Ages, just kind of stuff like that. A lot of fiction books I need to go through and declutter because I got way too many. I'm like, I'm going to read those. <laughs> just haven't gotten to them. They've been sitting there for like 10 years. Right. It's just like the Celtic Frost thing. One of these days, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things is I just collect random like instruments that I want to get better at or learn. Oh, yes. Yes. I, oh. I relate to that. I, I have a mandolin, a banjo, a lap steel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. Because of where I'm at, you know, bluegrass music is a thing. So, sure. and I, oh. and I like it because, you know, I, I got that from my dad and because he was a fan of like bluegrass stuff. And yeah. So I think the only one I've actually put m the most time into was the lap steel. So yeah, I totally get to collecting odd instruments. What food can you not stand? Mm, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I eat vegetables. I love vegetables. I hate Brussels sprouts. Um, I can eat pretty much anything as long as it's not too spicy. I'm such a wuss with that. Right on. I I can't think of any food I don't like. Okay. I don't eat I do, I don't eat meat, and so I think you know if like I went somewhere and they were serving like cow tongues or something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't that eat would that. Be, that would be a little much for me. Right. Cow tongues delicious. Lengua. Ooh, yeah, give me a link, taco. I don't, I don't, I don't want that. No, I, I'm with you on that. I, I wouldn't want it either. I'm ridiculous. Like I call it ridiculous. I don't know. Like so many other cultures, you know, it's like they utilize every part kind of thing. But yeah, which is awesome. The cow tongue Just don't thing for me is yeah. Nope, can't can't do it myself. What's your biggest yeah. pet peeve? Justin's is probably me. Levi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hmm. uh, I would say mine is more broad, maybe, in that uh, uh, a person's lack of confidence in themselves is a pet peeve to me, just because I feel that, I mean, anyone can do what they say they want to do or can do, you know? Right. And when they get all like, well, I don't know if I can do this thing, it's like, come on, just fucking do it. I don't know. It's kind of a weird pet peeve, but. No, I get that a, a whole lot. Absolutely. Just get out and do it. Yeah, and if you can't, just, that's fine. There's plenty of things I can't do. You know, I'm not going to go skydiving anytime soon. I, I think probably my biggest pet peeve would just be a lack of empathy in people. Okay. That was a good, good follow-up one. <laughs> <laughs> I think my pet peeve is when I tell someone I'm going to do something, and they don't think I'm going to fucking do it, and they keep nagging me, and I'm like, fuck off. I'm oh, micro you under the ground. Micromanaging? Yeah. Yeah, but I would put that one on too. Like passive aggressive micromanaging. Yeah. It's like, I'm just bring your neck. Right. Get away from it. Yeah. It, it, when, you, when you tell somebody that you're going to do something, that's that's the rough part of it right there. Because then they're like, hey, did you do this? And you're like, I'm going to do it. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. If it's been months or something, then they should just stop asking. That's something. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, one more time here. We're going to take a break, then we're going to come back. We're going to finish up with Justin, Terrica, and Levi from Time Rift. Stay fucking tuned. Yeah.
Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. Check it out at maxwellshouseofmusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. We've got keyboards. Hi, this is Frank Green from the It's Gonna Get Weird podcast, a podcast I host with Scott Clark. You're going to get everything you need on the podcast. Lots of laughs, lots of music, some sports, and maybe some inappropriate shit. Usually that's Scott's forte. Check it out. It's going to get weird. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and everywhere you get your podcasts online. It's going to get weird. I'm going to put my foot right in your ass. So with COVID and the shutdown of so many businesses and everything else, did you get any time to learn any new skills during that? Uh, for me, I was trying to get into doing uh, music production and learning about EQ and stuff for like recording shit at home just to be like, oh, look, I could do like a really decent demo. I got kind of far in it, but not too far. But I picked up like, you know, learning how to like uh, drop off lower frequencies and like mm-hmm. higher frequencies, EQ more of a mix to get like boost for like certain ranges. Cool. Yeah. It's definitely like, oh. another language. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. And trying to go back through and relearn uh, music theory that I took in like college. Right. It's just like I have to struggle through this again. <laughs> Hell yeah. Getting a little bit better at it. I can read music a little bit better. Do you have one there again? Um, not really. I mean, I only, I got laid off for a couple months. And then when I went back to work, I went back to work, like working way more than I was working before the pandemic. Um, but the couple months that I had, had off, I just like did all kinds of home improvement stuff. So, you know, just learning more stuff about fixing my house and, okay, you know. That's cool. Yeah. Fair. I think that's mine too, because I, my my job, my work, I never stopped working. So, um, but my wife and I did a lot of work in our yard and stuff, and you know, leveling. You know, he already does all the things that people took up yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah. Like he his his Instagram name is Red Fire Death because he's he bakes and yeah. he like makes his own bread, and he's been doing that for years. So. Yeah, which has been <laughs> kind of funny because I, I bake a lot of bread and I, I I have a couple starters I take care of, and people be asking all these questions. Like I remember it was like. Last April, I get all these questions from friends like, all right, how do you do this? How do you do that? And then I'd give them answers. And then it'd be like July. I'm like, hey, how's your starter going? Like, oh, I gave that up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't because they were. I tried it, I tried it for a week. <laughs> right. Why would you go in and trying to get like your flour and stuff? And it was like out of stock. Or it was like way more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like an old man. Like, uh, just like. Damn this pandemic. Yeah. I can't get any of my bread brains. prices are too high. Yeah. There was probably going to be maybe 30% of a success rate, I would mm-hmm. say, because th- uh, 30% of the people that actually went out and bought everything, you know, out of the 100% that went out and bought everything, 30% of them probably actually made a turnaround into something yeah. that was edible. Other people just probably let it waste or just, came, like you said, when you asked them in July, they, well, I gave that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they thought yeah. the, the the system was failing. They were, well, I'm going to live off the grid now. <laughs> I'm going to bake my yeah. own bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I think it just goes into the 
people trying to figure whatever the hell's going on, you know, right. trying to take up something doing this and that. And then you kind of get stuck back in your old ways and things, which is, I think that's just human nature is, you know, if you're comfortable, you're comfortable. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think I learned any new skills per se. I think I just honed some in. Right like, on. Terika did a lot of house projects and I did a lot of house projects myself. And I think I learned how to like, you know, not uh, want to kill my wife or myself <laughs> for projects or something. <laughs> Right. Stepping back and seeing the forest for the trees on some projects and things. A little more more important. Definitely. So on the other side of that is, uh, you know, what is something that you've always wanted to do, but you're not coordinated enough to do? Skateboarding. Yes. (laughs) Not coordinated enough and, uh, you know, too too old for the injuries. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really have one. Right on. I have to think about it. Yeah, Levi. Uh, yeah, I still want to get better at drums. Terika was teaching me a little bit, so I still have some practice drumsticks at home. But it's funny that she said skateboarding, because when I got my second stimulus check, I went out and bought me a skateboard. <laughs> Instead of a drum set. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I skateboard a little bit, but it's been like, you know, 15 years since I last skateboarded. And I actually was stupid and was like, am I too old to skateboard? People were like, no, just wear pads. Right. But I'm not going to do any like tricks anymore. I just want to go cruise around. For sure. I don't know if I have anything new I want to figure out, but I want to get back into I used to play ice hockey. Nice. And that was kind of like my introduction to metal, too, was like playing hockey. And then you you put on like Master of Puppets to get pumped for a game or something. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't played in years. and Definitely definitely not a COVID-friendly thing. <laughs> no, but, uh, definitely not. Definitely something I want to get back onto. I miss it's just... To me, to me, hockey is the most metal sport because you're, you're skating on razor-sharp blades... And, and you're always you're, in a pit. And you're, yeah, you're always in the pit is that the whole game is a pit and you have this little rubber disc that you can knock someone's teeth out. And, and I, I remember like, I remember playing hockey and like, I would like want to put on, like I said, Metallica or Slayer or something just to get pumped up. And some of the kids would be like, what, is, what is this crap? I'm like, screw you, man. This is how you get pumped to like, go kill somebody. That's the whole point of this game. Like, you go. <laughs> Go full speed, man. You can't right. do that. Listen to the nowadays country or something. What is the worst album by your favorite band? Um, I would say, okay, so I'm a huge fan of Bathory. There's a couple albums <laughs> in the night. Levi knows this answer. There's two. Requiem and Octagon by Bathory are probably one of the worst albums ever made. Yeah. By one to me, he's one of the best musicians and bands in the world. I don't know what he was thinking. It was, I guess, it was, everyone else always says it was the '90s, man. So, <laughs> that's my answer. Right on. God, I mean, I'm really drawing a blank because, I mean, it's hard to say who my favorite band is, but, you know, it might be Led Zeppelin. And I just, I can't, I love. You're going to say Into the Outdoor? I love all their albums. I can't, I can't really pick one. Um, Sounds good album. I'm, you know, maybe I was, then I was trying to think of, you know, is there a Judas Priest album that, you know, I haven't liked, but I I haven't, you know, listened to all of them. I haven't listened to the ones that Rob Halford's not on. And so, you know, those are pretty bad. Yeah. So maybe one of those, but I haven't actually heard them. Fair, so I can't. fair enough. He's never listened to them either. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he isn't going to do it, why should I? Right. And well, that he actually said that in in his book. He's like, I've never listened to those albums. Yeah. So he has no reference of Ripper Owens as Judas Priest. So yeah, I feel like not to cut off Levi just yet, but I feel like you're still thinking. I feel like with Ripper, he's he's always in bands after they're good. <laughs> <laughs> which is no, which I don't think is a knock on him at all because I think he's a great singer. But I feel like the bands he's been in, it's like, oh, 
it was better before you joined. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. No, I know what you mean though. I I get that. And yeah, kinda, I, and there is and I have message out to him about talking about KK's priest and everything and I'm just gonna go with Injustice for All. You don't like Injustice for All? I think it's I like it. It just bothers me because there's no bass one, and then it just feels like a fucking slog to get through because all the songs are so long and heavy, and after a while, it just becomes a monotonous mm. tone to me. And man, and that, I, I mean, that's like my introduction to Metallica. Like it was, yeah, you know, it's weird. He's yeah, he's you know, he's got his he's got his inclinations. Right. Well, and I agree with you as well. You know that that was my introduction to Metallica as well, and mm. I think. I do like the album, I you know, but the problem is, as he stated, there's no bass and the songs are, you know, you've got multiple songs on that album that are seven and a half minutes plus. Yeah. So, yeah, I get that. And with no, I think if they did put the bass back in the mix, like they had talked about doing when they released the anniversary edition, mm. I think it would have been... I don't want to say it would have been a completely different album because obviously it would have been, but I think it would have made more sense. Yeah. That hear. album has like such an intense sound to it, just like the EQ and it's like so the compressed sound of it. But there something about it, you know, I heard it when it came out, which was that like 88 maybe or. Yeah, um, and so that just takes me back to, you know, when I was 12 years old in North Dakota at that time. And it's just like the sound of that era so even though it's like such a it's normally i would never listen to something like that and be like oh this sounds great like oh yeah but it's just like it's really nostalgic for me because it perfectly kind of encapsulates that time when i was growing up and you know first heard heavy metal like real heavier stuff definitely definitely i think mine's just uh skewed because i was way into soundgarden and alice in chains Mm -hmm. like nirvana and Black Flag mm-hmm. back then when I heard stuff in high school and then I heard Injustice for All I'm like this is pretty heavy and I like listen to it I'm like Why are they so where's wrong? it going? <laughs> where's right. it going? Definitely. It's going to the Black Album. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But that's all the James band so like hearing Kill em All Ride the Lightning Master of Puppets like just shredding mm-hmm. and then how it comes out with this grinding like monolith of music. There's not really any swing in it which yeah. it, it's really like It's that. very industrial strangely enough for a Metallica album. Definitely. Rapid fire on this question. What band do you like that none of your friends like? <laughs> oh, fuck. Typo negative. Mm. I'd say Deer and Gray from Japan. Um, well, recently, John Cougar Mellencamp really started oh. speaking to me, <laughs> and uh, Justin gave me a lot of shit about that one. <laughs> oh, wow. He lives. That's a sign you're getting too old. <laughs> he, uh, he lives like 45 miles from me. <laughs> Well, I guess we're visiting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, thank you all for coming on the show this week. I greatly appreciate listening to you guys and your company. As always, links will be listed below. I need to start saying that again for some reason the last couple of shows. I've had to, I've like, why didn't I promote that shit? So yes, links are always going to be listed below. So click those links, buy these guys' album, do everything for them because they are fucking awesome. And do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody before we leave today? 
Uh, I just want to give a big thanks to you, Mark, for having us. Yeah, and uh, No, it's a cool thing. And um, uh, I think a big, another big shout out, you know, you mentioned the Portland scene, you know, our buddies in Bewitchers, Soul Grinder, um, Unto others. others, all those dudes and dudettes. Um, Solicitor, obviously, they're fucking great. We got all our homies in Canada, yeah. Spell, Yeah, Road I want Rash. to give a shout out to uh, the boys in Villains. Yeah. Villain. Oh, gosh. Hopefully the boys in Toronto are listening to this shit. Uh, and... Uh, Oh. Stay greasy. Yeah, stay greasy. Stay greasy. Yeah. Uh, super cool people as well. Final question. What album changed your life? Oh, mm. uh, well, for me, it would be Kiss Animalize because um, that album, when I was uh, in about kindergarten, family friend took me down uh, to his parents' basement, uh, set me down behind his drum set and put on that Kiss record and gave me some sticks and told me to play along. And I was instantly obsessed with the drums and instantly obsessed with the band Kiss. And I begged for drums for three years, and I finally got them when I was eight. And my first three concerts were Kiss. Uh, Eric Carr era Kiss was, you know, my introduction to the drums. So, yeah, Sweet. that album cool. came <laughs> um, Let's see. I would say <clears throat> mine's more It's uh, the Swedish band Grad Magus, their album Iron Will. And it came out in like 2008, I think, or seven. Whatever year it came out was. And we had a huge uh, winter storm. It was like two feet of snow, which is very uncommon for our, around here. And I was stuck in my house for a week. And I just went to the record store and got that album. And that one was, uh, it got me through that storm. So whenever I think about it, I think of the deep winter and the uh, having an iron will to continue through it. Nice. I think uh, Sonata Arctica's Silence album from 2001 was probably my introduction to being like, oh, this guy can sing really well. The metal in it is like incredibly fast and orchestrated like a classical composition, but it's also catchy as fuck. And that's something I've always kind of like tried to bring with me in music. Definitely. Hell yeah. Awesome. Levi, Justin, Terika, thank you all so much for coming into Metal Forge this week. It's been super rad and fucking awesome. I've had such a good time. When touring picks back up, I'm definitely hoping you guys can make it through the Louisville, Kentucky area. We're headed your way. Or somewhere close, because I'll make the drive to see you all for sure. Oh, and, and off of Eternal Rock, what do you guys want to have played out today? Mm-hmm. I'll let Terrica pick that one. Did everyone's song they hate? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would go for Eternal Rock, because I just feel like that's the theme of right now. Like, rock will never die, and let's keep it going. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. And there's one thing that, you know, we always like here at the Metal Forge is title tracks. So here it is. This is Eternal Rock.
Hey, thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Metal Forge. I want to take a minute to remind you guys about the Patreon page. Over on the Patreon page, we have the tiers set up to support the production of the show. We feature the Down and Dirty, which is just a buck. There's nothing special for that one. It just sends me a thank you because every dollar helps. Then there's the Double Down and Dirty. Much akin to the Down and Dirty tier, everything helps produce the show in the end. You make your presence known, and I appreciate that more than you realize. Thank you for being a dedicated friend and supporter to the Metal Forge. By selecting that tier, you will receive some cool Metal Forge stickers in your mailbox. Now, we're really going to start pounding the Metal Madness with the Apprentice Metalhead for just $5 a month. By becoming an Apprentice Metalhead, you'll be given early access to the shows, published 24 hours before everyone else gets it. You're also going to receive three entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You're also going to receive a 10% discount on all Metal Forge merch, and you're going to receive a sweet Metal Forge patch for your battle jacket or backpack. And now, here is the big one. This is the Master Metalhead for just $10 a month. By becoming a Master Metalhead, you will receive a hand-numbered Metal Forge Master Metalhead membership card. You're going to be given early access to the shows as well, with 36 hours before everyone else. You're going to receive five entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You'll be able to submit audio questions that I will use on the show of you asking questions to the upcoming guests. Remember, timing is everything, and you will need to keep up with the upcoming guest list on the website. You're also going to receive advanced knowledge of any new merch coming out and be given a 25% discount on all Metal Forge merch. And you're also going to get all of the other rewards from the other tiers. So visit patreon.com slash Metal Forge Radio today and help support the Metal Forge. Rock on.